Hello and welcome to the podcast Hops and Fins. My name is Jamie Hare and I'm joined again by my good friend Stuart Govan. Stuart, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, Jamie? Yeah, not bad at all. Thanks, not bad. Looking forward. This is um, this is episode three we've reached, so done okay so far. Thank you very much to everyone who's listened to episodes one and two so far. Yes, we've got a couple of top fans that seem to tune in. <laughs> we do. We do indeed, um, and uh, and we seem to be we've, we've sort of managed to carry them into the world of Jaws and and Jaws too as well. Exactly, and uh, I think my brother-in-law will be raging if I don't mention that me and him went to the cinema to see Jaws because I forgot to say it last time. Ah, bro, when was that? So that was what to be obviously two years ago. Uh, yeah, uh, they re-released it in the cinema, and me and him went to see that. Um, it was. I had never seen it in the cinema before, so that was the experience. Mm. It just you saw from a different perspective. It was, yeah, it was yeah. absolutely brilliant. All its glory. Yeah. Smashing. Well, we established in the previous episode that uh, Jaws 2 isn't as good as the original Jaws. Um, so we'll be uh, kind of reviewing a film um, as we go forward, and then we'll finish off with some, some shark facts um, and some shark news. Uh, before that, though, of course, the hops part of the podcast is very important, um, and that's just to open a beer and enjoy a beer together. Uh, so, shoot, what are you drinking this week? This week, I have a Session IPA, a Tropical Session IT, IPA from Freedom Brewery. Nice. It's a 3.8. It's, it's got a boat, some sea, some palm trees, so again, there's a link to the, to the ocean. Um and yeah, I'm trying to see where it's from. Let's get some distinct fresh aromas of grapefruit and citrus. So maybe not okay. everyone's taste, but uh, sounds good. Summary. It almost sounds like um, lunt. Remember that drink? <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just no, it's from Staffordshire, England, uh, right. the Freedom Brewery. So right. See so that's like what have you got? Smashing. See what I've got. I've got um, from the Loch Lomond Brewery. Brave Hop, um, quite a good can. It's a guy, a sort of sky, seems to be skydiving. It put me in mind of the, the guy who was um, kind of parag, para, is it, I don't know if it's paragliding the one that you're basically on the, you've got the big, you know, the parachute yep. and you get lifted out of the water. It, well, yeah, but you get lifted out of the water and, uh, and that happens in Jaws too, you know, and he just gets up That's just right. in time before the shark appears. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's sharks in Loch Lomond. I don't know, but that's maybe a documentary we can investigate. We can investigate and do ourselves. That's the next step in hops and fins. Is is well, I was going to say documentaries, or or we just get Stephen on camera. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> one of the <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> which one sounds the Which one sounds the easiest? <laughs> um, I tell you what, there isn't Loch Lomond, no sharks, but um, a small island in Scotland's Loch Lomond has a pop- population of feral wallabies. So, it does indeed. Is that still? Do they still have them? Get on that. I'm not sure if they still have um, them or not, but yes, they, they certainly did. Um, yeah, apparently they do. They were uh, uh, introduced um, to Inch Conachin in the 1940s, where they've roamed freely since. Incredible. Smashed. Peacefully without getting eaten by sharks. Exactly, exactly. And ho- hopefully not bothered by humans either. Um, smashing. Oh, well, let's get this can open. 
there's quite a large can of that, 440 mils. So I don't think you're going to fit yours in there, are you? I think it is. A, it's a quite a large can. Well, yeah. it's quite a large glass, though, is it? It's a decent sized glass, yeah. Is that a wine glass you've got? Do you know what? I think it is a wine glass, actually. <laughs> but wait, uh, the thing is, what is this? You know, a wine glass and a beer glass. Like, yes. what's it? Like, if you if you put the if you put the name of a beer on the side of this glass, you would go, "Oh, that's a nice beer glass." Yeah. I don't. Where does that? Where does a where does beer glasses end and wine glasses begin? I think there's a slightly thicker. Is that, is that the neck? Is that called? What's that? Ah, I see. I see. Yeah. So right. it kind of. I, mean, I, I don't, I'm sure there's a. Some technical term behind why it is like that, but I have no Maybe idea. Right. Oh well, cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's smashing. That is delightful. Yes, really, really nice. All I can really say to you is that it's good. <laughs> well, that's, that's I, the I main that part, much. really. Thing. I know that much. That much is true. It's very good. How's yours? It's it's not bad. I would. If you don't like, there is a, a fairly strong kind of grapefruit, kind of citric okay. taste to it. So, mm. if you weren't a big fan of that, it might not be everyone's taste. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not overwhelming. It, it's still quite nice. It's not too fizzy. So, what thin rating would you give that one? Out of five, I'd give it a good solid three and a half. It's good, really nice. Ooh. It's um. It's quite. It's probably a bit darker than the one I had a couple of weeks ago, but um, but yeah, no, really nice. What about yourself? I would go. I would go three. Three. You know, I would have it again if someone. If I probably ha- do have quite a few of those actually. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would give it a three. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, Stuart. So, uh, last time on the the podcast, we looked at Jaws two after my after I suggested it, and you in turn chose the shallows to watch for this episode um why did you choose it um had you seen it before and if so was it as good as you or bad as you remembered it i chose it um just to make it a bit different um it's more modern than the jaws films we've been discussing previously um i had seen it before but on second viewing it was first I'll start simply by saying I did enjoy it. It was a very entertaining film. Bluntly, I wanted to love it. I wanted to. But something just stopped me from loving it. I, I don't know what it is <laughs> exactly. But maybe it was just the some parts of ridiculousness um that just stopped me from really, really loving the film. But it was a very good film. So, had you seen it before? I had not seen it before, no. What was your thoughts? My thoughts were, it was pretty good. Um, it's funny, I, re- I read, I was, you know, looking through some of the, what, what other people had said about it, and someone described it as quite lean, which, you know, it's a, it's only, it basically lasts for under an hour and a half. So it's pretty sharp, you know, gets straight to the point in a way, which is, which is good, didn't drag out the situation. Um, but the situation basically being um, uh, girl goes surfing, um, gets attacked by a shark, makes it to um, it's a coral reef, 
gets her out of the water enough, but not enough to be totally safe. She still has to get back to back to land. So I think uh, so. I kind of had had a rough idea of what it was going to be about, and um, yeah, it, it was quite a clever. I thought it was quite a good idea. Um, quite a good idea for a, for a film. Um, you know, for a shark film, like I say, you know, if we sort of take it as the default position is that the definitive shark position, uh, shark film has been done already. So it's a case of what can you, what other ideas can you come up with? And I thought this was quite a good one. Um, and it's kind of basically how she, uh, you know, manages to survive essentially. So I thought, yeah, clever idea and, you know, quite well executed. Yeah, I, I, I probably should have stated that as well about the kind of premise of it. It's um, complete lively. She's the main character, um, one of the very few characters in it. It is yep. a very isolated film. Um, it was directed by a, a I'm not going to pronounce his name right at all, Jean Colette Serra, uh, who's a Spanish director. Did House of Wax, Orphan, uh, Nonstop, films did like a, that. Yeah, did a few with Liam Neeson, All Night, uh, Run All Night, and The Commuter as well. Yeah, um, so he, he was known for a kind of a horror background, that kind of horror thriller background. Uh, so he kind of took this on, this was made in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the idea is that she's go to this beach in the middle of nowhere on a kind of unknown secret beach. As you said, she was out surfing, gets caught up in this reef, and there's a rogue shark who terrorises her. She can't get back because the tide is coming in. One of the reasons that Blake Lively took the film on was she was inspired by Ryan Reynolds, her husband, uh, who took part of the film Buried. And it was where the entire film is focusing on one character and it's just an isolated film and this film buried as he's is buried alive uh, and she she thought that would be a a challenge because she, she's acting to nobody she's not responding to any of other than a, a seagull a seagull yeah um, there's a couple of characters in it but not not very much so it, it is it's quite well done in that there's tense moments that I actually did feel that quite tense and the atmosphere was built up with the music, the, some of the cinematography was, was cracking with the, with the surfing, with uh, the way they used the waves to, you weren't sure whether something was going to appear or disappear. It, it was it was quite well done. It, it was entertaining. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think the, the sort of bits that were, as you say, there's no one to really, to really act with. Her only sort of friend there is an injured seagull who can't fly anywhere. It, there is a funny bit. The seagull tries to warn her about the shark at one point, almost like Flipper or Lassie. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, it was quite, it was quite good. Um, so I, I think yeah, she, I thought she I think she did a good job. And it, you know, it looks it looks great as you say. That I mean, it's bound to again beach. Um, you know. Beautiful big waves and things like that. So it's about it's you know it's bound to it's bound to look nice. But uh, but no, I thought I thought they did quite a good job, um, and with what you know with the premise and um, you know with the with the situation. And I thought she you know I thought Blake Lively did a good job as well. She was she was pretty good. 
pretty good actor. She was, uh, and large portions of I think something like ninety percent was shot in a in a studio in a tank, and only oh. some of the shots were outside. But that was what the director's point was that it was to blend the two of them, which I suppose is the same idea of all of them, so that you couldn't really tell. And I thought we did a reasonable job. There's probably some points of it that you thought that looked a wee bit fake. But generally, you kind of did get a sense that she was out in this yeah. rock. Stuck. Yeah. I mean, it got to the realms of ridiculous later on, I thought. Um, but in all fairness, if you didn't do that, the film would probably be about half an hour long. So <laughs> um, they had to drag out a wee bit. Yeah. There was a, like, I suppose like all short films, there's a, there's a, there's a few moments of total um, unreality. Like the, at one point, because the shark does does eat some people, um, eats another surfer and spits the board high in the air. Uh, I thought that was quite funny. And at one point, some jellyfish light her way to escape as well. <laughs> like, it was, just, like they were all joyful. Let's help this human get on her that, way. That was a bit strange. You just seemed to just flick like that or oh, suddenly we're just going to turn on our lights. Get and lead the way for you. And, yeah. It was quite um, funny, yeah. Like she flicked the switch. Aye. That was kind of funny. <laughs> so I read, a, I read a couple of reviews. It got fairly decent reviews and yeah. Blake Lively was credited quite mm-hmm. quite a bit for um, for acting in it. The reviewer read it saying that it didn't like the fact it gave her a sad story to tell and there was no need for it why is it always the female protagonist is always or heroine or whatever you want to call them why they always have to have a dramatic sad background to make them and I, I kind of get that point I mean did that really add anything this backstory of why she got there could it not just have been she was on holiday and mm. she was a keen surfer you know and I kind of get yeah, that yeah. But, then, but then I said it didn't really bother me you know yeah. I didn't I go, this is ridiculous. I thought, I just thought, you know what, it kind of makes sense a wee bit. Yeah, I, accept, I, I accepted the premise of it, yeah. Yeah. I found a good review from The Guardian. The Shallows is a film begging for you to shout back at the screen. And while the premise is ridiculous, it's anything but dumb. Uh, and the person, the reviewers, in brackets written, I choose not to Google whether a shark would hover in one area for a day after it has already chomped other humans. Each step has an internal logic shot in a clear and visually arresting manner. Colette Serra has reteamed with cinematographer Flavio Martinez Labiano, and they are incapable of giving us a boring setup. There's also a good bit of humour thanks to Lively's scene partner, a wounded seagull, whose deadpan reaction shots recall a feathery Jack Denny. What could have been a mere summertime chum is actually one of the more cleverly constructed B-movies in quite some time. Yeah, I think that's reasonably fair. You, you, like, you weren't bored during it at all. It was no. fairly action-packed. That's what you really want, isn't it? No, I think you've got to just jump jump into the film, literally, um, and uh, and sort of just accept it, accept it for what it is. Well, there is one, one thing, though, and I, I, I kept seeing this term B-movie in reference to it. So I literally Googled, because I was thinking to myself, this is like a it's like an insult almost. Is it a B movie? Is that like people? It's almost like a patronizing. Oh, yeah, it's not too bad, but it's not that good either. Um, so I literally Googled what is a B movie. 
and sort of Google Dictionary came back with a low-budget film of inferior quality made for use as a supporting feature in a cinema programme. So, you know, back in the day when you might have went to the drive-in or, or to watch a couple of films, then they would, you would have a kind of second one. You would have this, you know, the... Uh, the main the main feature, but you might have a supporting one before it. It does seem quite harsh when you when you say it like that. Um, you know, there's a budget, a seventeen to twenty five million pound budget. Um, but got nearly one hundred twenty million box office back. I've always get a class a B movie is you're sitting there almost laughing. At the effects, um, or just the ridiculous nature of the film is where I kind of visualize a B movie, and I didn't feel like that with this. I suppose yes, the premise is probably is a fairly B movie standard, and it's never going to be number one box office with this idea at all. But to feel it's maybe doing it a little bit of injustice by calling it a B movie. I don't know. It just feels slightly patronising, sort of. Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay, but it's it's okay for what it is. And to be fair, maybe, maybe that's what I just said when I said you just got to jump into it and you know accept it. So, um, but yeah, interesting to see the sort of definition of, of what a B movie is. Yeah. So on website Rotten Tomatoes, they gave it seventy percent. Yeah. Uh, but the audience score was fifty nine percent, so a bit lower from the audience. Mm. Um, which is not bad and for yeah. a short movie I mean if you compare it to many of them it's, yeah. they tend to hover a very far down the list and below yeah. the 50% don't they so uh, yeah I think I mean Jaws 2 was certainly less than that I saw another couple of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes obviously they've got numerous people contributing so from Tim Brennan The Shallows is a well made summer treat um, it has plentiful suspense just enough gore and a main character that's as tough as a coral reef the film does what it needs to do, and it does it swiftly and brutally. And I did see one more from Avril Haley, who just writes one sentence. It's a sports illustrated photo shoot with a shark. <laughs> well, I was... I didn't know whether to bring it up or not, but there's a certain amount of sexualising of the main character. Yeah. But at the same time, they don't make her... They make her a fairly strong character. Well, it's, it's anyway, we were talking last week about the fact that Jaws 2, all the women seemed to do was just scream and wait to be rescued. And that's yes. the, so you know, this at no point exact was opposite. she helpless. Mm. She was she was badass, wasn't yeah. she, really? Yeah. Um, and she took on a shark on her own. Yeah. So it, it, it didn't feel... Like it was too gratuitous. Yeah, I'm lost, losing my words here because I'm <laughs> trying not to say it it's stupid. No, uh, I think that's. Yeah, I, think that's I think you're right. I don't. I don't think it. It didn't veer into uncomfortable watching in that sense, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So no, I, I still, it was a fairly strong character that it was. It was more about her, and I thought. She, she took the film well and you know, led it well. I thought yeah. she did it really well. Definitely. Good. 
So you'd recommend it? I would. I would, yes. Uh, I would say it's, it is worth a watch. It, we touched on it. It's entertaining. Um, it's action-packed. It's not too long, and I think that probably does it a lot of favours and that you don't drag it out yeah. too much. Um, and it's... Yeah, it, it, there was tense moments. There, there was, and... Uh, yes, I was highly recommend. Highly's maybe pushing it. I would recommend. <laughs> it's, de- it's definitely it's not it's it's definitely at the kind of top top higher end of of, of short films rather than yes. just um, you know to- total insanity. Yes. Awesome. So next week is Jaws two better than the shells. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stuart, I think that's uh, that's definitely a discussion for a. We really have to get a panel of experts for that discussion. <laughs> that's high level high level chat up. Oh, Jamie, now going from CGI sharks to real sharks, what have you got for us this week? A couple of things, actually, a couple of things. Uh, firstly, from the Cornwall News, and I had actually seen this, I've seen this elsewhere. Um, the, the headline, Great White Shark Nukumi heading to the UK in quote marks as Incredible Beast crosses the Atlantic. Um the 17-foot predator called Nukumi has been tracked moving across the ocean and might be coming this way. Um, basically, according to science organization OSEARCH, uh, a 253-stone, 17-foot-long female shark called Nukumi, which has a tracking device fitted on her, has been spotted moving towards the country from the other side of the Atlantic. Um, it has been reported to be swimming uh, swim along the coast of the USA and Canada. However, recently the shark was tracked moving east and across the mid-range, the mid-Atlantic ridge barrier in the middle of the ocean. Um, since then, scientists say Nakumi has kept going with the tracker on her dorsal fin, pinging a location back, which shows she is closer to the UK than to the US. Now, as it happens, Stuart, I actually got this app from a phone and it's really, really good. Uh, so I highly recommend it. If you've got um, a smartphone, um, you're looking for the app, it's O-Search, O-C-E-A-R-C-H. Um, and actually, just uh, I'll show it to you, Stuart, but you can see there there's uh, all the charts that they've got tracking. And uh, you can just move around the globe. Um, and if you actually just go, you can so you can sort of look into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and you can see there is a, a, a kind of outline of a shark. Which if you click on it, it is indeed Nakumi, and it gives you a bit of it's really good. It gives you a lot of uh, information about Nakumi, uh, shark species, stage of life, gender, weight, length, description, etc. Uh, Nakumi, pronounced Nugumi, actually Nugumi. Um, so is named after the legendary wise old grandmother figure of the Native American Mi'kmaq people, a culture that has a deep, deep roots in Canadian maritime provinces. Um, so basically, you can see where her, where she's, uh, where she's traveling, and if you actually, so you click on it and you can show, show my track, and you can actually see the route that she's taken. So you can see that she basically went down from. The kind of Nova Scotia area, all the way down past New York, and we've got as far south as um, North Carolina, and has sort of zigzagged, uh, zigzagged a little bit before heading across the ocean. Now, 
uh, it probably is accurate to say it's closer to America than, sorry, it's closer to the UK than America, but it's really clo- much closer to, say, Africa than it is to, to the UK. It's much closer to a country like, say, uh, Morocco or, or Senegal or something like that. It's much, much closer to, to those countries. Um, so, yeah, technically technically speaking, that is accurate, but still still quite some distance before we see it swimming at Loch Fine or anything. That's quite interesting. Uh, you can track it as well and see the distance, huge distances. Yeah. It swam. And it sounds like an absolute beast of a shark as well. That they travel, yeah. No, it's great. It's really interesting. And it's like I say, you can you can come away out and, and you can zoom in. You know, I'd lived in Australia for a wee while, so you can sort of zoom in and uh, see see what you know what sharks are. What shark now, of course, these are only the tracked sharks. There's other sharks, of course. Uh on not that I'm not tracked, but it's really it's quite interesting and uh, and you know, just gives you a little bit of a sense of how far and wide that they can they can travel, which is which is excellent. And uh yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's fantastic. Yes, and that the tracking helps us understand them a bit more and exactly can learn more just, about them. So exactly, and then you know, in a way, you've, you know, you you see how far they've travelled. It just sort of, I don't know. I just think you know when obviously people will you know sort of horrifically cut their fins off and throw them back in the ocean. You, you sort of see what it is that you're that we're dealing with here. You know, it's it's really. Uh, creatures that can that, that travel far and wide across the world, um, and for their lives to be ended by just someone cutting their fin off or, or um, you know, hunting them down or whatever. It's it's just it's just it's not it's just not right, really. There's no there's no other way to put it. So, um, but yeah, it's a bit fantastic, uh, but a really good app. I think really great app. Um, really interesting. You can, I mean, you can get, a, a, you know, you can spend, you know, quite a lot of time just going. Oh, I want, you know, okay, Australia. Let's what kind of sharks this? You know, yeah, going in, finding, looking at its track, and it's, yeah, super interesting. Excellent. That sounds good. I've got one more for you, Stuart. One more for you. Okay. Um, a sort of less, a less positive encounter between humans and, and sharks, but. Uh, a man who was almost killed by a great white shark near Port Lincoln in South Australia. Now, as it happens, Port Lincoln was the place I had um, a cage dive booked when I was, I was supposed to be in Australia last summer. Um, and uh, we had a shark, me and my friend had a shark dive booked to go to, from Port Lincoln out to see the sharks, ho- hopefully see them anyway. Um, but a man who was almost killed by a great white shark has been granted a legal exemption to keep the animal's tooth that was left embedded in his surfboard. Chris Blows was surfing at Fishery Bay on Anzac Day, which is kind of uh, April, which was a couple of weeks ago, usually mid-April, um, in 2015, when he was attacked, losing his leg to the shark. Basically, the police found the shark tooth embedded in his surfboard when they recovered it, uh, but under the state's Fisheries Management Act, it's illegal to possess, sell, or purchase any part of the protected species Penalties can attract up to a $100,000 sorry, fine or two years imprisonment. Um, and it's the first time the state has granted an exemption to the act. Um, I mean, anyway, it's it's a sort of a... The guy has now got quite a connection to that shark. You know, he's not out for vengeance. Um, the shark was just doing, you know, 
sharp things in the water. He was in the water as well. And, um, you know, someone someone who, uh, a guy from Port Macquarie who found a Facebook group for fellow shark attack victims. Um, you know, it means a lot to a survivor to have that souvenir from their attack. It's an attachment. And I guess it's a connection to the shark that you need to have. So it's, uh, you know, it seems like a bit of common sense there. And as it happens, sharks actually shed teeth anyway. So you, uh, it has been mentioned that you can, you sort of find them uh, if you're diving in that kind of area. Uh, you'll find shark tooth that have just naturally been shed. But um, anyway, it seems like a, you know, it seems like a, a kind of sensible decision. And the guy is back out suffering with his uh, prosthetic leg. So, you know, the, the world is, moves on and uh, he's getting on with his life. And, why not? Why not keep that as a kind of, you know, as, as, I don't know if souvenirs are right word, but you know that was obviously a, a, a huge event in his life, and you know, he's got, uh, you know, a little token of it. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's a bit of common sense because it's not like he's going out hunting. I completely understand why those regulations are there. It's mm. quite rightly to stop people from going looking for souvenirs of these incredible fish. Um, but it was there, it was in his, it wasn't attached to the shark when they found it. So um, he has been through a traumatic event and, you know, incredible. That's off to him, really, that he's, he's back out. Yeah. Uh, suffering again and pretty fearless. He obviously respects that he was, he was in their domain. It's an unfortunate thing to happen, but he's, like you say, he's, maybe not, like you say, not a souvenir, but a reminder of, what he's been through yeah um, so yeah that's good he's getting on with his life yeah absolutely um well just sticking with great whites again just seems to talk a little bit about a lot um was i'd looked into a few, some times that like a few times that people have uh, attempted to hold great whites in captivity mm. as crazy as that seems but it does seem has been, quite crazy. Yes, there has been numerous attempts. Um, so the first one to be held, to, and held in captivity was in marine land in Los Angeles in 1955. The shark did not even last a day. That's extremely sad. Mm. Um, there's been many attempts since then, around 25 occasions, roughly, uh, until about 2003. The longest time captivity it was only 16 days at SeaWorld in San Diego before the animal, well, actually the animal was released, thankfully, but numerous others have died within just one day. Now, obviously, they, they are attempting to do it to, well, probably trying to say, claim that it's to study or let people see them up close, but it's purely for attraction and, and to get people to their parks and whatnot. The longest attempt was in 2004 um, Monterey Bay Aquarium set a record uh, which female great white which was accidentally caught in commercial fishing nets was kept in the aquarium's 1.2 million gallon open sea exhibit for 198 days just over six months the shark which grew 15 inches during her time in captivity was released back into the wild after attacking and kill, killing all sharks in her exhibit. It's sad that people are attempting it. I mean, there's no doubt that it, 
to me it seems common sense that it's just not possible. These creatures cannot be killed in captivity. I mean, it's, yeah. it's incredibly sad when you see orcas being kept in activity, yeah. captivity. Um, so a great white shark, which it's along the same lines, it, it hunts and it's just blows my mind that it's been attempted. I know they were caught, some were caught accidentally, but yeah. surely it just makes sense just to put them back. It's just yeah. baffling. No, I, I've actually been to the Monterey Bay Aquarium and it, I mean, it is quite incredible and you sort of think if anyone could do it, then it, it would be them. And um, I remember there was this the, the TV series Whale Watching Live and it was a lot of that was was on the kind of, uh, around the, the Monterey Bay Aquarium area. Um, just was kind of south of San Francisco, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just they're just not for captivity, which you know, animals in general aren't really for captivity, but uh, obviously, we kind of we've touched on it before and why it's you know, it kind of works in some instances. Uh, wild, you know, we're talking about wild animals, of course, not no, there's no, you know. Not domestic animals. I'm not suggesting people with dogs are holding them captive. I don't mean like that, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know well you well again if you look at this track of that and you can see how much ground sharks cover, you know that does say the you know over a million gallons. That that does sound like quite a quite a lot to me, but is it as big as half the Atlantic Ocean, which this shark has already covered? Exactly, you see that when the tracks, it's gone from the States all the way across, it's now close to Africa to keep them in a cage. I mean, just seeing there as well, that yeah. most recently in 2016, an adult male great white died just three days after being removed from the ocean, where it was caught in a fixed net to an aquarium in Japan. Um, they said it was a relatively small 3.5 metre shark and not eaten anything since it arrived. And kept swimming into the tank's walls, which, well, yeah, it's, it's really sad, isn't it? Yeah, so Peter had responded to that and said the shark was obviously extremely stressed, the result of having everything natural and important to him taken away, which was clear from his weakened condition and normal swimming behavior. Because of his death, clear captivity, he never had to die like this, which is extremely true. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some facts about. Why they shouldn't, why they can't live in captivity, but because it can swim more than 30 miles an hour in an hour, you know, it's they eat a lot, picky eaters. Um, and I think there's another point here is there's still a lot to learn about them, and you know, it's, there is, there's so much, and the tracking them that probably helps towards that is that you don't see them, you can't. Because they swim so great distance, you can't really study them in an area. So you can't just shove them in a tank and observe them that way. You're not observing them in natural habitat at yeah. all. So yeah, no, it's sad, and I hope that any further attempts or not don't happen. No, I mean I think it's almost impossible. Surely they would. Well, you think someone who's got the money in a big park like that has got the ego to go? No, we can do it. But you'd like to think that sensible voices will prevail. And say. This isn't possible. I just yeah, and hope they don't just see them as like we'll give it a shot. Dollars. So Jamie, I last time I chose the shallows to watch 
what are you picking for the next show? Well, one film that has always intrigued me, and I think somewhat because it's a true story, I believe. Well, it's based on a true story. I think there's no way of knowing how that story really ended. But why don't we watch Open Water next time, which is the story of a couple going out uh, on a kind of dive, organised dive, and being left there, the boat going back to shore without them. And I guess, as I say, there's a, there's a variety of, there's a, a, a decent amount of speculation on that. So why don't we watch that for next time and see how it, see how it goes. That sounds good to me. Look forward to it. Well, Stuart, let's... Uh, I think let's come to the, the end of episode three. Um, thanks to everybody that's listened. Stuart, it's uh, been a pleasure as always and uh, to enjoy a beer with you. And again, uh, you know, we're socially distant at the moment. Hopefully we'll, you know, we're, we're kind of coming into the summertime and people are getting vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated myself, you know, and they've, they've reached the mid-40s now. So hopefully, uh, hopefully before too long, we'll be able to, to sit in the same room together and enjoy a beer. But for now, it's been it's been really great to see you again on Zoom. Yeah, I've enjoyed it um, once again. And yes, hopefully at some point we could do it in person. But my fear with that is it would have too many beers and less talking about sharks. But we'll see how that goes. That is that. And we'll be put in charge of podcast type equipment. <laughs> well, thank you again, Stuart. Uh, and thanks to you very much for listening. Uh, you can actually catch us on Instagram now. We're at Hops and Fins, all one word. Uh, we'll post reviews of the beers and, of course, reviews of the films you watch there as well. The music for Hops and Fins is by you in here, as is the artwork. And the music was mastered by Engine 7. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Okay.